This week on the show, it's a discussion of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4, plus several amazing surprises. It's all coming up right after this. This week, we're going back to our roots for episode 50, back to where we all started at the very beginning. Audrey and I sat down to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation. We decided to go season by season and discuss the show as she watched through for the first time. When we got to season three, we added in a few new faces and decided that we loved having the panel discussion. So that's what we're doing for this episode. Uh, Kayla Greet is back, who you heard on the season three discussion, as well as the Skillshot Pincast crossover. And joining us for the first time, if you're not counting the temporal disturbance of last week's episode, we have Tiffin Perry, who uh, is a huge, huge Star Trek nerd and was a thrill to chat with about, uh, about Next Generation. You did hear her last week on the Star Trek Beyond podcast, but this was recorded first, so this is her true first appearance on the show. Before we get to that, I wanted to touch real quick on the response to episode 48 to Boldly Gay, the episode we did about the uh, positive representation of LGBT community in Star Trek. I had a really amazing response to this episode, uh, more so than, than normal, I would say. More people writing in saying that they enjoyed it, and I wanted to read to you a couple things that I uh, heard from listeners of the show. This first one is from my friend Ross Williams, who you heard on the show last week for our review of Star Trek Beyond. He said, Jesse, you made me cry at work, you dick. Hearing people talk about finally being represented in Trek and what that means to gay kids in the future, oof. Trek, Star Wars, and comics were all huge for me as I was growing up. I made so many friends through my love of Star Trek. I had a teacher who called me number one because he saw me reading a Trek novel once and would get to join kids on the playground because they were playing Star Wars and wanted a blonde kid to play Luke. I wish that every kid in the world could have a superhero or sci-fi character who looked like them, or who felt the way that they do, or came from the same background as them. It's so useful and important. It's also important for them to identify with characters who don't look like them, and come from different backgrounds, so that they can be more empathetic. Thank you, Ross. I absolutely agree. Here's a little piece of what Evan C. wrote to me, uh, Evan at From the Waste on Twitter. Jesse, why do people need to hate? What is it about hate that makes it easier to do than love? If we knew the answer, we wouldn't be living in the world we live in today. Hate is the only thing that some people know. It's easier to hate. Just look around you. Look at social media. Compare the number of positive posts to negative. The ratio is ridiculous. Hate is easy. Love is hard. People are lazy. You said that if you can do it, anyone can regarding acceptance. Let me take that one step further. And I'm not trying to make this some sort of bragging thing, but if I can do it, then anyone can. By that, I mean that you'd have to look at me. I'm a big, bearded, burly lumberjack motherfucker from Montana. I spend my days up in the mountains. I log trees, I build fence, I dig graves, I fix shit. I should be watching NASCAR on the weekends and spending my time killing and eating deer and elk, right? No, I spend my weekends sleeping in the backyard, waiting for E.T. to become my friend and take me away from here. I spend my time listening to podcasts and audiobooks, professing my love for science fiction, the post-apocalypse, and escapism. I spend my time watching, reading, and sharing my love of sci-fi with others on the internet. I wish I could use that to my advantage. Hey, look at this guy. He looks like a manly man. He's this everyday dude, building shit and making shit, fucking around up in the mountains. Yet he thinks that the whole gay thing is cool and whatever, and that people should just love who they love. Maybe they can. Hey, it's a dream I have. Evan, thank you for sharing that with me, and I'm so glad that I could share your words of positivity with everyone else who listens to the show. This last one is from Wesley Fox. Jesse, I enjoy your podcast, and especially this episode. I recently started my own sci-fi podcast and got a chance to mention yours in the show. I didn't have as much insight into the Sulu is gay LGBT characters in Star Trek topic, so I decided just to reference your show instead. You and your co-host did a tremendous job covering the topic. I figured why bothering try to compete. My latest show is a review of Star Trek Beyond, so it has spoilers, etc. If you're interested, check it out at prescientsci-fi.com. So, uh, Wesley, thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much for the shout-out. I did go and listen to that episode of your show. Uh, you and I have very different takes on, on Star Trek Beyond, but I love that. I love that uh, podcasting provides everyone in the sci-fi community a chance to make their voice heard if they, if they should decide so. And if you're like me, you can't get enough of sci-fi chat. So if you need more, head on over to prescientsci-fi.com and check out Wesley's show called Thought Crime. 
Okay, well, it's time to jump into our discussion of TNG. We're going to get through like the first third-ish of the season in this episode. We talked for four hours, so this is probably going to end up being a three-parter. But we'll see how that goes as I whittle down the hours of editing. (laughs) I have two special surprises for you in this episode. One in the middle and one at the end, so stick around for that. Kayla got stuck in traffic on her way to my place to record, so she's not going to be in the very beginning of this episode, but then we'll take a break halfway through and she'll join us for the rest of it. So to lead us into the discussion, here is the immortal music of Jerry Goldsmith. is a peck of pickled peppers. <laughs> I don't know, but I could really go for one right now. They're pickles that are peppered, I guess. Yeah. No, Never thought about that. they're peppers that are pickled. Pickled peppers. Oh, they're peppers that are pickled. Peck. They're not so pickles that are like peppered. So a peck is like a unit of measurement. Peppered Yeah, how pickles. big is a peck? I don't know. Wait. <laughs> I can tell you a is thing it, or two about... No, I'm kidding. Is it pickled peppers? <laughs> wow, you were crushing this tongue twister game, bruh. Uh, Pickled peppers. It's pickled peppers. <laughs> pickled right? peppers. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Whoa. What happens? What happens after he pickles peppers? I don't know how you peck. How you pick peppers okay. that are already pickled? That's like what what I'm caught up on. I, I think have... that I think I might have a brain aneurysm. <laughs> I'm just saying that was. Tiffin, did you want headphones? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Get in on this. I want the full experience. Live must. I don't know where my other headphones are. Don't worry about it. So when I asked if you wanted headphones, it was just so I could you say just, no. Yeah, you were just like, or you just wanted to say no to me. I wanted you to say yes so that I could say no. Okay. Exactly. Okay, I see how it is. Rude. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's do this shit. I promised that there'd be no foffing about this time. I know, and we so, just immediately went into foff mode, man. We started immediately with yeah. foffing. No foffing. No Sorry. foffing about. Sorry, I said a little bit old bean. <laughs> <laughs> Please call me Old Bean for the rest of my life. Old Bean. Um, so, what? so we're gonna start without Kayla because Kayla's stuck in traffic, but oh, she'll be I'm here sorry, soon. Kales. And of course, uh, Jeff, good old Audrey's here. What do what do I call you now? Do I just call Jeff? you Jeff? Call me Jeff. I'm Jeff now. Do I just get out of the hob the Hobbit of yeah. habiting your Hobbit? Yes, hole? that's the one. Well, I don't know. I'm gonna try that again. <laughs> get out of the habit of calling you Audrey. I just call yeah. you Jeff. Do I call you Jeff in your real life now? Ooh. I don't know. That's deep. We'll talk about that later. But right now, this is an official broadcast, so I would like to be Jeff. Done. And then joining us for the first time, we have Tiffin. Welcome. Hello. Good start. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tiffin, you're you're a huge podcast fan. You're an even bigger Star Trek fan. Correct. And you just got a new Star Trek tattoo, which is super, super cool. I did. Can you describe it to me? Because I can't see it from there. (laughs) So it's the Enterprise with a couple little birds of prey, and it says to boldly go where no man has gone before because it's an original series homage. So it's man instead of one yeah. in the middle there. And the birds of prey are like really tiny, and you can. They're really tiny. I was proud of myself that I knew what ship it was, though. I was <laughs> and, uh, and you also have a says the girl on the Star Trek podcast. <laughs> You also have a TNG communicator pin on your on your hip. I do. I pointed I do. at it. I <laughs> just in case. That was my first tattoo. I got it when I was 18 years old. Really? Yeah. Wow. So you've been a Trek fan since you were a little kid. Since I was a little kid. A wee lass, as they w- say. Watched it with my daddy growing up. What is your favorite series? The Next Generation. I, I thought you were going to say the original series. I love the original series. I actually love them all. I just finished Deep Space Nine for the first time, right? For the first time. I was so proud of you. Yeah, I it's, was really it's excited. pretty great. But no, The Next Generation definitely has my heart. And you love Voyager. You've seen all Voyager. I love Voyager. And, but you haven't seen Enterprise, right? 
I've only seen a little bit of Enterprise, and I just can't get past the theme song. I'm not going to lie. It's been a long road. <laughs> just don't, please. It has Get words. It's a Stop it. It's a the Star worst Trek song. It's the worst song. with words in the theme? It's quite possibly the worst song ever. I of, of all time. Of all time. Of all time. Wow. And yeah. one of my proudest moments in my whole life was when I was hosting the Star Trek event. You were there. Did you I see this there. happen, or were you upstairs? Which part? The part where I let a sing-along of that song with the crowd. I was not there. Oh, That's man. Awesome. Only like four people sang with me, but I'm they sure. were singing at the top of their lungs, and it was awesome. That's it was great. one of those things where I decided just, I wanted to do it, and I was like, I know that it's going to be rough, but I'm just going to have to do it. Dude, that's just bravery. Go. And it was, I sang the whole fucking song by myself on stage <laughs> with like four people in the audience singing along. And it was, it was amazing. But there were, like, how many people in the audience? Well, that was... There was, like, what? Like, hundreds of people in the audience and only four people sing along? So, when we first opened, there was, th- like, over a thousand. But uh-huh. once the exhibit started, people were going off and looking at the exhibit. And at that point, there was only maybe, like, 50 to 100 people in the crowd. So, that's a good ratio. Four, yeah, four to a hundred. Yeah. What's the percentage sure. of that? I mean, for, there was four, embar- four for, like tolerating. <laughs> <laughs> He's here because he likes sci-fi, not math. Okay. Not, yeah. That was awesome. Um, yeah. So no more foffing about, guys. Okay. Stop foffing. Right. We're here to talk about season four of the Next Generation, the greatest show ever made. Let's keep going. Come on, Aji. Oh, you came back with a bump, 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 bump at the end. You're a singer. I've never been more disappointed in you. So I was like, you guys transported me to like watching the credits. So like, I was like seeing like Levar Burton, and then. <laughs> and then so many I'm doing this from one side of the mic to the other yeah you're gonna have how to how did the ship fly around that fast back to where the camera was so many times I don't this know this is a question we've never discussed this and needs to be talked about this is very about. expensive it has abilities <laughs> it's not expensive there's no money in the future Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Damn. I've got to get out of that capitalist mindset, you guys. You the future is coming. Yeah. Absolutely. Checkonomics, cool. yo. Episode one, bitch. Episode one. The best of both worlds, part two. So we're taking our synopses from Memory Alpha, as always, with Captain Picard as similar. I could do this in a voice. With Captain Picard assimilated by the Borg, the enemy is able to totally obliterate a Starfleet slash Klingon armada at Wolf 359, leaving Riker in command of the Enterprise and forced to go on go one-on-one with his former captain. It sounds really cool in headphones. Yeah, it must it have does. been weird for Tiffin, who's not in headphones. <laughs> <laughs> That's confirmation. Okay, so season premiere. The Battle of Wolf 359 may be the most devastating battle that we'll see in Star Trek until, like, the end of the Dominion War at the end of Deep Space Nine. Uh, oh, no way. Not yeah, the Dominion War. Not the Dominion War. So we've never really seen, like, mass destruction. Uh, just, like, I, the one image from this episode that haunts me is the graveyard of starships. Yeah. Incredible special effects in this episode. Uh, so, what do you think? Is this the thrilling conclusion to the best of both worlds that we wanted, where Picard has been assimilated by the Borg, and we have to bring him back, and we have to find a way to get him back? What do you think? Um, I I really didn't know how they were going to get out of that one. So, that immediately, I really liked it. You know, like, usually, TV has, like, a formula, and, like, you can kind of see what's going to happen. But, like, yeah, I didn't know exactly you know, how it was going to end this time. So that was nice. Um, But yeah, it was stressful. So then the big question for me is, uh, how did you feel about the way that they solved the crisis where they kind of introduce a virus into the Borg? Spoilers! This whole episode is spoilers. They introduce a virus into the Borg (laughs) and they get the Borg to shut down and go to sleep. Yeah, I thought it was a really... Now, did did they use the nanobits? 
Nanobots? Nanobots? No. No, I think they just no. uploaded a virus into Picard that got sent into the whole collective. Is that right, Tiffin? That's correct, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you sounded like such a radio show for a second. Data connects with the Borg. Right. Mm. With the okay. Borg yeah, yeah, yeah. consciousness. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then Picard gives him, like he wakes up out of whatever and gives oh, him yeah. a command and he says, Sleep. 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 And Beverly's like, Data. oh, poor guy, he's yeah. so tired. He's so tired. He's so tired. <laughs> and Data's like, I don't think that was the point of that of that statement. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a really elegant solution to something that seemed so unsolvable. Yeah. It didn't feel like a cop out at all. I thought it was really good. Yeah. yeah. The unsolvability of the problem is why yeah. Best of Both Worlds Part One is such a classic. Mm-hmm. And I have heard interviews with uh, Michael Piller, who wrote these episodes basically saying that he didn't know if he was coming back for season four and he was the head writer on season three. He's in my opinion, a huge part of why the show took this huge turn to becoming like the best show on TV. So he didn't know if he was coming back and he's just like, this is the end of my first season. I'm going to fucking stick it to whoever comes in next season. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, He's like, I'm yeah. going to write an unsolvable problem with no thought to how to fix it. They did not consider a way out. And Ooh. then he found out that he was coming back and had to write a way out. Like he stuck it to himself. <laughs> so to me, best of both worlds part one is like an A plus. Right. This is a solid B. I love it. It's yeah. a great B. B yeah. plus. I would say that the first half is definitely the better half of it. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think that having to find a way to solve an unsolvable situation just kind of negates the tension no matter what. So there's really no way around that. And my only problems with this episode is that they had to reset to one in episode two. You know what I mean? Like right. everyone back to places for episode two. Yeah. And I, I love that we will come back to the emotional repercussions of this. But at the end of the episode, Picard's back in the captain's chair, back to business as usual. I would have liked to see this go on longer. And I, I feel like the way that they figured out to make the Borg go to sleep, um, it's really smart. It's really clever. But it's also like, why was that? something that they could even do shouldn't the borg be strong enough to prevent that to begin with because the borg are so frightening and this is the first time we've ever gotten the best of the borg ever i don't think they were counting on data true that's true and also picard having insider knowledge all right i'm fine i'm convinced yeah that makes a lot of sense to me (laughs) yeah because they didn't expect to have you know data on a crew of humans you know yeah they're so arrogant they didn't expect someone that could actually tap into the collective yeah yeah, and, and having Picard have the insider information is a big difference, too. Yeah. But overall, I mean, great start to the season. The action on this is great. And I love that if the Enterprise was in that battle, they would have been destroyed. Yeah. So Absolutely. they kind of wrote around that by having the Enterprise be drained of power very early on in the episode. So they're stuck. Because, I mean, the very first thing that happens is they try to shoot the deflector dish to try to destroy the Borg. That's the big plan they have at the end of season three. They're going <laughs> to blow up the ship. And then it's just like, it's just like a... I don't know. It's like a premature ejaculation. I mean, it's not, but that's like the feeling you have after because nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, And why do I feel so impotent? (laughs) And then they have no power and they can't go anywhere. uh, So it's, it's a cool way to write around the action. And then we do get to see that battle in deep space nine. The first episode, the first thing that happens in deep space nine is the battle of wolf three, five, nine. So we get to pay this off eventually. Oh, that's cool. They overlap. They, they, do over, they do it's a it's a flashback but then they do overlap by uh two years because deep space nine starts during season six or am i wrong is it season seven of next generation i believe it's season six i think so too cool i'm not sure though yeah nerds. Oh my God, uh, <laughs> i'm wearing my communicator pin it feels I know, really it's good really cute. <laughs> this is such a good season you guys it's a really good season i it's I, a really good season i just i I really enjoyed this one. (laughs) I feel like the arc of this season as a whole is let's take the story we've been telling and make it personal for each individual person on the ship. Right. So actually that brings up a, um, a good thing that I thought of, um, as much as I liked the finale of season three and the opening of season four, I don't really like, I like the little personal stories, you know, that's my, that's what I decided. My favorite thing about this show is. You know, like I hardly ever can even pay attention to like the actual like problem like yeah. that they have. The A story. Yeah, the A story. Like and and I like it and because there's tension and battles and action and stuff, but like, you know, my favorite stuff about it is usually the B stories for most of them for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's like yeah. the part that I remember. 
I think that the magic happens in the B stories. Yeah. Like the thing about this show that's so magical to me is those moments when it feels real. Yeah. And that happens all the time. And it's because of the character stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's my favorite part. Like Worf in a yeah. mud bath. How how could you how would you think of that? And how would you ever top that? It's the higher, the fewer. This is definitely like the family season, though. This is yeah. like the season where they delve into all of their individual characters and their yeah. background and their family, which I love. I love that. Speaking of episode two. Yeah, exactly. Called Family. Yep. Uh, Captain Picard takes leave on Earth and visits his family while recovering oh. from his assimilation into the Borg. Right. Worf's human parents visit the Enterprise and help him deal with his discommendation. This is one of my absolute favorite episodes of the entire run of the show. Uh, this is the okay. one that that brings home the stakes of what's happening, where Picard mm-hmm. was basically, I mean, for lack of a better word, he was raped by the Borg. And he goes home to visit his family to uh, to try to recover from that. And this is also the first time that something so emotionally traumatic happens that they take a whole other episode to deal with it. And it's so fucking ballsy to have episode two of your season have your captain break into tears. I remember watching this as a a kid when this first aired. And I remember Picard talking about leaving the Enterprise and going back to tend grapes. Yeah. And this part of me that idolized Picard that was just devastated by that. Because I think when you're a kid and you're immature... Your heroes can't do anything wrong and they can't ever feel any emotion other than like charging through things and powering yeah. through things. Yeah. And then his relationship with his brother is incredible. It's so well acted. It's so well written. And then when it all comes to a head, when they have that fight at the end, which kind of breaks through their anger with each other. And then Picard kind of lets loose this flood of emotion that he can't let loose on anyone, not even Counselor Troy, where you see the side of him that was broken by his experience with the Borg. Yeah. This is the payoff to the best of both worlds part one for me, because part two is just getting him back is the first step. But actually emotionally dealing with what happened is the payoff. And it's brilliant. Yeah, it's a really great episode. I really like the end with his uh, nephew just staring at the stars. It's like really beautiful moment. Um, They went handheld for that fight with the cameras. Yeah, the different camera setup. You know, that's what's cool about not being on the Enterprise for certain episodes, because the camera setup is like totally different. It gives it a very different feel like and it makes you feel like you're there with them because that change makes it feel live. Yeah, cool. So like I I really enjoyed that element to it. It was really good. It was a good episode. Yeah, (laughs) it made me think about the fact that Picard hadn't been home. I mean, he'd never met his nephew. He'd never met his right, yeah. sister-in-law. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. I didn't. Think and about and I'd that. never even, I'd never even thought about it. Like he's on the ship all the time, and you don't think about the fact that he. I mean, he has family somewhere that he's, like, sort of subconsciously just not connecting with for some reason. Yeah. And this kind of forced him to, you know. And I love his sister-in-law. The fact that she'd been writing to him the whole time. Yeah. That she kept in contact. That was adorable. I love yeah. her. I forgot about that. She's, She's great. very sweet. I love when they track mud. They track mud and then they start drinking some Picard wine. (laughs) How bad do you want Picard wine? I want. I want. (laughs) So bad. So bad. Yeah. All we have is this goddamn whiskey. He'd been along. It'll do though. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) He'd been away so long that he didn't even know what year it was. He got the year wrong. Do you remember that when he was sitting with his brother and he was like, "Oh, is this the oh right seventy four or something?" And he was like, "You've been a lot way too long. It's it's the seventy five. I thought you meant like physically. What year it was like? Me too. I was. He's like, like oh man, is it 2015? No, it's 2016. <laughs> no, but you mean the wine? <laughs> I mean the wine. Yeah. Uh, then there's also the B story with Worf's parents, where we find out for the first time uh-huh. that Worf so was cute. raised by this Russian couple, the Roshenkos, yeah. uh, which will come back several times throughout the show. We'll eventually meet mm-hmm. his human brother. This is the first time you really, really see how human Worf is, because he's always presented as the alien, the other, the Klingon. And he knows so much about Klingon lifestyle and everything, but but man, like he was raised on Earth with yeah. humans. He's been around humans his entire life, and it makes him make a little bit more sense. I think it makes a lot of sense, yeah. Just in uh, so many of the episodes this season, actually, that that center around Worf and his yeah. culture. I don't like Klingons, dude. They're annoying. Well. Worf is the best Klingon. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. I'm like, not, he, I'm he's not the racist. One, I'm just saying. No, I know what you're saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. Klingons, like, Worf is the idealized version yeah. of the Klingon Empire. And as we go through the season, we realize yeah. that he's the only one who really lives up to the ideals of the Klingon he Empire. He does, because he knows about honor and loyalty, because he serves with Picard. And, like, um, 
I just the whole Klingon culture is just so petulant. I'm like, are you guys in high school? What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, it makes me so like irritated. I get so irritated. Yeah. My yeah. favorite thing about Worf from this episode was when Guinan was talking to his parents, and she's mm. like, "Why did you never give him prune juice?" I know. <laughs> I love it. I used to make a roe cake blood pie. <laughs> Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't eat human food. He wasn't interested. Yeah, Worf loving prune juice is the like coolest thing about him. It's so good. <laughs> That's the thing. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and on top of that, we in this episode also we get the hollow message from Jack Crusher to Wesley Crusher. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, yeah. that was a good. That was good. Wonderful moment. Yeah. I mean, such a cool thing. Like. I mean, even now, I'm sure stuff like this happens where fathers will record a message to their son and then pass away, and then that message will be all the son has. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did it in a way that only Star Trek can on the holodeck where he gets to see his dad stand in front of his dad. And I get like, I'm getting emotional just thinking yeah. about it. It's such a great scene. It was heartbreaking yeah. when he like reaches for him at the end. Oh, yeah. Totally heartbreaking. As he's like de-rezzing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great episode. Uh. 10 out of 10. Liked it. Yeah. The next episode is Brothers. The summary on this is way too long, so I'm going to summarize it for you. This is the one where Data meets Daddy. This is the one where Data meets Dr. Noonien Soong, finally. This is the one where Brent Spiner plays three people, and it's awesome. So Data commandeers the ship. And flies to this weird remote planet because a homing beacon's been activated inside of him. One of the many times that Data's used against the crew against his will. Yeah, twice in this season, right? Yeah, I think so. Is this the? I don't first remember. One? I'm just agreeing with you. Is this I'm the first sure. one in the season or in the series where, where he's, he's used, used against the crew? Season? Yeah, I think it is. It yeah, might be. I think, I think so. it is. I think no, so. it's not. Schizoid Man. Schizoid Man. When uh, Doctor Ira Graves gets inside of Data's head. And takes control of him. Oh, and then he right. starts like breaking wrists and knocking heads and shit. I don't remember that. It's good. Okay. Yeah. That guy <laughs> was also like in the first episode of season six of Doctor Who, the guy who played Dr. Graves. I, I would know. have to see a picture. I don't, I don't know what I you're don't recall. About, yeah. I don't recall. It's the one where they go to America and there's like the CIA agent as a young man and as an old man in that episode. Oh, yeah. Yes. The old man CIA agent. That's the same oh, actor. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was pretty huh. sweet. Um, what's the B story in this one? I don't know, but oh, I, oh the B I, story is where oh. there's that young boy who's in sick bay who needs to get to the star base to be cured of this disease, but right. they can't because Data's commandeered because the Data ship. Right, take the ship. Yeah, yeah, that was. A, I love that ep- episode, and Data's yeah. my favorite character. And basically, I find myself like just waiting for the next Data episode. Like, right. huh. like interesting. Like, I just love Data more and more with huh. every single episode. He's just my absolute favorite, and I love this episode. So when episodes start so, and it's not about Data, are you disappointed instantly? <laughs> I'm not disappointed. You know, that's just my favorite part about the show is Data. Man, you're making me realize how unique this is, that episodes focus around different characters. And it's almost like you have all these shows within the show. Yeah. Like you have the the show about Counselor Troy, where she's kind of learning to get along with her mom yeah. and um, looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> <laughs> and the show about Worf, where he's, you know, trying to find his way in the Klingon Empire, trying to find his way among humans, um, looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> you have the show about Picard, who's like isolated and... The show about Crusher being a doctor <laughs> and looking for love in all the wrong places. The show about Data being fully functional. Also looking for love in all the wrong yes, places. Yes, absolutely. Later in yeah. this season. Yep, we'll get into that. Yeah. Oh, good. That's this season, isn't it? it oh, is. that yeah. episode is so great. Yeah. God damn it. Um, so I love great. Data, you guys. I love yeah. him so much. There's a lot of great Data episodes. There this are. This there is are. a very Data-heavy episode. It's Data and Worf-heavy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. For and there's, sure. There's for a sure. Troy episode in this season that like knocks my fucking socks off. We'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, so this episode, brothers, it's like a direct continuation of family where mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. just learn where one of your characters comes from and it casts them in a new light that you never really considered. Because we met, uh, you know, we, we learned a little bit about Data's past in season one when you go yeah. like to what's it called? Omicron 
Theta. Omicron Theta. Yeah. And you meet the crystalline entity. You meet Lore, Data Lore, that episode. But yeah. that episode doesn't quite make sense. It, it, there's some weird inconsistencies in the writing where you're not 100% sure what they happened in Data's past. They just wanted to do an evil twin episode. Right. But this is the episode <laughs> where they, they pay it, it off. Cool. Yeah. 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 This is the best Lore episode of the whole show, in my opinion, because he really shows how just like one little difference in programming made a completely different person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it makes Data feel like a person and your friend. Yeah. And have because you realize when Data almost gets his emotion chip, how badly you want him to have it. I mean, that feeling never left me when me I neither. wanted him to have yeah. that emotion chip. But absolutely. The thing is is that he wants it too. Like he wants it really badly. So yeah. what's what's that about? You yeah. know, like this is interesting to me. It just totally. brings up all these really fascinating questions. I'm like, well, he kind of feels something. Yeah. You know, something's going on there because if he didn't have feelings, he wouldn't want anything. He wouldn't, you know, why would he strive to be more human if he didn't want it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it's just really interesting to me. Like he wants this data chip, you know, but it's just like it's like the Wizard of Oz, you know? She had the ability to go home the whole time, you know? I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you can do it, Data. You're feeling things already. Like, it's just really good. She's totally feeling things yeah. already. The quintessential part of this episode, as far as Data goes, for me, was when he was talking to the Dr. Soon, and Soon said, you are not less perfect than Lore. And yeah. he just said it I am not over less and over. Perfect I am not less than perfect lore. than Lore. I am I'm, not less perfect than Lore. Right. Like trying, <laughs> yeah. trying yeah. to just like ingrain it in himself. Like, yeah, it's a wonderful like, moment. Yeah, it's, it's like definitely. a little mantra. Yeah, Brent <laughs> Spiner uh, did some really magical acting in this episode. He's so oh, brilliant. He really always good. does magical so acting. Yeah. <laughs> if I were like making a reel and I were an actor, I would just send this whole episode to someone. It's like, just if trust I were Brent me, Spiner, just watch it. Yeah, he's like, watch this. Watch <laughs> me be three people in one scene, and. I mean, some of the doubling special effects in this, where he's the same person in, in one scene three times, mm-hmm. is better than what they just did on Doctor Who, which I just watched, like, Matt Smith's season yesterday, you know? Yeah. That was made a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's really fucking good. And th- this show started firing on all c- cylinders in season three. I feel like season three, they became the modern version of the show. And this season, it's just like... Well, here's what happens when we are the best show and then get to keep making TV because yeah. we're just going to get better and better at it. It is the best show. <laughs> Data, I love you so much. Be real and come and find me. Well, he's fully functional. I know. Is that what you want? I'd be down. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I'm definitely you, down to interface Wait. with him. Are we talking about is that what you want? Like you want to fuck Data? I mean, I'd totally fuck it. It's not out I of totally the realm would. of like, yeah, no, definitely. It's I'm just, it's that's not all there is. Okay, I feel deep emotional <laughs> things about it, but well, tell me all of them. No, I can't. <laughs> it's very personal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just agreed that data totally has some sort of emotion, though, so yeah. that would be enough for me to cling on to and like try to. Yeah. Try to have a relationship. Well, we see how that goes. But I think that girl sucked. (laughs) She did suck. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) We're going to pause the conversation for just a second. This is right around the time that Kayla showed up. So we took a quick break and said hello and then got right back to talking about season four. But before we get there, I have a quick treat for you that comes from Kayla herself. She was at the EMP opening party that I hosted a couple months ago when the new Star Trek exhibit showed up. And as you may remember, Denise Crosby and Brent Spiner were the guests of honor. Kayla recorded a little bit of audio during their Q&A, so I had to share it with you, and Kayla was kind enough to send it to me. The first voice you're going to hear is Brooks Peck, the curator of the exhibit, who came on this podcast about 10 episodes ago, talking about this very exhibit. He's going to ask Denise Crosby and Brent Spiner who the core of their characters were. So uh, the audio is a little hard to hear, but then you will hear Brent Spiner and Denise Crosby. I'd like to hear from you about your characters. What do you think the sort of core essence of your characters were? Who were they? Who were they? <laughs> um, you tell me. I, I, I didn't watch the show. I, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I think basically, speaking for myself, or should I tell them who you are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
She was new, she was now, she was pop, she was what's happening. Woo! Love it! Data! And I, on the other hand, uh, do you remember the multiple techniques? Oh, yeah. I'll never forget that. Fully functional! Fully Siri, can I call you computer? Can I call you computer? I'm afraid not, Jeff. I'm pretty comfortable with my identity. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Siri's a dude now? I made mine a dude. Mine's can... a British woman. Yeah. You have choices with Siri? Yeah. yeah. Google's just one lady. And she doesn't seem are to you, care are for you me sure that about much. That? I'm not sure about that. Is that not true? You don't know what she identifies as. My, uh, my Siri called me Hal Siri, once. are you male or female? I don't have a gender. Gender fluid, huh? Huh. Siri, tell me a joke, please. How many iPhones does it take to... Okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> That's really good, actually. So Kayla's here now. Hey. Welcome. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. I, you know, just fared a lot of Seattle traffic. It was a blast. Sounds great. Go Mariners. Yeah. Woo. So moving on, we have episode four. Suddenly human, right? Suddenly human. The Enterprise, Enterprise, the Enterprise Prue discovers a young human boy being raised by the aliens who kidnapped, killed his parents. I can't read anymore. There's a dude who was raised by aliens and he's actually human. It's Jonah, right? Or Jeremiah. That really emo kid? <laughs> that yeah. angry emo kid? Jonah, I think. Jono. His name is Jono. Yeah, Jono. Oh, but his real name was Jeremiah, right? Yep. Uh, this episode's a little bit of a dud. Oh, it's so duddy. <laughs> it falls like, a little flat for me. Like, unless yeah. we have good jokes, we should just skip it because it sucks. Well, the only thing that this episode <laughs> did that was so that's interesting. That's how Kayla feels about it. <laughs> Kayla's, Kayla had a rough traffic experience. I think we. <laughs> We all know what that does yeah, to us. Yeah. Um, the only thing interesting about this episode is they try to put Picard in a situation where he is the father figure, and he doesn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to watch him muddle through that. Um, I, I I just love that Picard, for like the hundredth time, is like, you know I don't do well with children. Yeah. <laughs> He's so uncomfortable. To be fair, this kid's a brat. Like, he's absolutely. Oh, so totally. Well, he's and just an angsty teenager. He's all right. Yeah. He makes the most annoying sound in the world, like in Dumb and Dumber. It's fucking irritating. <laughs> yeah. He used to do that, what, the Benar? Yeah. The Benar? Yeah. Yeah. Benar. I'm just going to sit here with my emo posters. Dude, can you Benar a little softer? <laughs> <laughs> Picard's Next. like, stop doing that. Yeah. Next song. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, this episode is kind of a waste. For yeah. sure. But is, what's is, the, is there a B story? It is interesting that like mm. Picard gets stabbed by him because it like kind of sets you up for the Nauseans later. The Nausicans? Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> Nauseans are their <laughs> nauseous cousins. Right, yeah. <laughs> but he gets stabbed in the sternum so it doesn't quite get to his fake heart. Yeah. God damn, that episode's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's Jeff's not there yet, is I she? I know, so we can't really talk we can't. about We can't that. talk like, about future events. Because we'll break the time stream... I've been watching a lot of Doctor Who. Dude, I'm very happy. <laughs> I can't wait for you to be done so that I could talk to you about it because I just can't because I don't have I the ability to not spoil the whole thing That's how for he you. feels about you and Next so, Generation. <laughs> it's, it's really hard for yeah, me. Yeah, it's very difficult. Uh, there's something that I want to talk to you about so bad. Like one thing <laughs> that I am dying to know what you think about. There's just so many things that I want to Which talk reminds to you about. me. Um, this is something that I have not said officially, but we're doing it officially because this is my world and we can. <laughs> um, when we're done with season seven of TNG, we're going to do a crossover episode with Sci-Fi on Trial, and we're going to vote between the four TNG movies to put Ooh. on trial. Ooh! And then can I be on that panel? Well, I want all of you to do it. That'd be great. I want to like. I definitely want to be there. Yeah, I want to. I want everyone who's been doing this with us. If Ian's back, I want to bring him as well. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if I can record seven people because I also want. You know, Adam and Ryan, Adam, John Adams, yeah. <laughs> John and Ryan to be there because they're my regulars on yeah. on that. Mm -hmm. But having the, the TNG crew who's doing this with us on this show, crossing over to that show, that's something I'm really pumped about. And I really yeah. want to do it. We'll just share mics and like tap each other out. Yeah. OK, that'd be fun. Yeah, we'll be able to figure that out. It'll be cool. Cool. We sure. have a talking stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yippee. 
So I guess I guess the B story in this episode is uh, I mean the A story is Picard trying to be a father. The B story is what do we do with this kid because he is actually human, and they kind of get Admiral Rosa involved and decide are we going to bring him back to humans or does he stay with the people that he's with been with his whole life and he considers to be his real father. Uh, and Very I'm, Mogwai episode. Oh, my Mo- Mowgli. 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 Yeah. I'm like, Mogwai? Mogwai. From Gremlins? <laughs> yeah, no. Mowgli. I thought you were talking about the band. Ooby doo. I, def- I want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't see that ending coming. I, I don't remember the ending. What happened? It was so boring, he, I don't remember. He goes back with his people, like, right? He, no, goes, he, cool. goes, he goes back to his people. They don't send him back to Earth. Yeah. They, they send him to back Earth. to his people because they give him the choice. <laughs> And that's that's what he wants. But there's there's a point in the episode where he sees like pictures of his of his parents that were basically massacred by his people. Yeah. His people now currently. His current. And he like and he starts to tear up and like get all emotional. And you really think he's going to go back to Earth and he doesn't. You know, I get get that just because like just a little glimpse into my dark past, like. I didn't find out until I was 17 that I was adopted by my father. Oh, damn. So, like, so it it's really interesting because people are always asking me, like, well, what about your real dad? And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure he lives on National in Los Angeles. Like, he's, you know, he exists. The, like, he lives in L.A. And people are just like, oh, well, don't you want to, like, talk to him? Don't you want to find him? And I'm like, nah, nah. I mean, why? Like, he didn't, I don't know him. Like, yeah. I have no feelings about him. I had a dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. why do I need to go and like seek this out at all? Like I had totally. no, I have no feelings about that guy. I don't know him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's a very sad story on the surface, you know, like, but when it comes down to it, the real sadness in my life stems from the man who raised me. Not <laughs> <laughs> not it's like funny because it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> so did this story resonate with you? Not really. Cause that kid was so annoying. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't really think about it till now, till, till Tiffin just said what she said. Yeah. When, and I was like, actually, so right now in this moment, it brings up an interesting point. And I wonder how I would feel about it. Thinking about that when I'm watching it, but that kid was so goddamn annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, know and he like, was terrible <laughs> and like and like not in a you know i get it i just think that they were driving home the angsty teenager thing too hard, oh, super and, hard. and it like, was just uh, to me that's just lazy writing like why didn't his they just made the Smith same poster. point over and over and over again in that episode yeah do you know what i mean like yeah. it, it's so it was just kind of redundant the fact that the a and the b stories are the same story is yeah. is a little unusual for the show mm-hmm. unless there's a big tentpole episode like best of both worlds yeah. where there's no room for anything but the a story yeah. this one there was yeah. a lot of room for a b story and it just and, doesn't the, and there wasn't exist. any and that's what makes it feel so redundant over and over like it's yeah. just over and over again the same point it's interesting know? when the kid stabs picard because he wants to die because he, he expects capital punishment right right um I don't know. This episode is very forgettable to me. Yeah. Hence mm-hmm. me not remembering the end. <laughs> I give it like a 4.8. Out of how many of stars? 10. Oh, geez. I'd give it like a half a star. Damn. <laughs> I mean, I liked it. I like every episode of The Next Generation, though. Yeah. I mean, the only episode that I would put below a three is the one where Beverly fucks the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like, like that Irish. episode, but we're not talking about that season right now. So oh. <laughs> I kind of like that I episode. Definitely, I definitely gross. asked like a girl at, at the Star Trek opening exhibit. I was like, you fucking ghost lately? <laughs> she was dressed like Beverly. She's like, not today. Uh, was that a pickup line? <laughs> I don't know. Did you, like hey, uh, you Did fuck you? any ghosts recently? <laughs> Do you fuck any ghosts Would that you your like grandma to? and your Wait. mom have also <laughs> Yeah. So fucked. <laughs> like you might be fathered by. Yeah. Sub Rosa is like an episode of a different show. Sub Rosa could have been on like early seasons of New Who, you know, and fit in better than it does yeah, on TNG. I guess. Is that what the new season of Doctor Who is called? New Who? That's what Pete, that's what the fandom calls it. I kind of like that. Yeah, because yeah, they have like the decades and decades that. of old Who. Yeah. That's just how you kind of. Is that Oho? Oho. <laughs> you Oho? I can't figure out how to go to the next episode. You can do this. I'm pr- I'm not. Next that episode smart. is Remember Me. It's a very like t- Ooh, Twilight Zone. Remember episode. me. Why? Beverly Crusher gets all nostalgic for being and like realizes that all the people that she's around are gonna die. This is a 
this is an interesting episode. This is the first time that the Traveler comes back. Yeah. And I you all know how much I love the Traveler. Episode. I really like this episode. I love yeah. this episode. I remember the first she time I... She she's going insane. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I remember the first time I saw this episode, and I really thought that like the universe was collapsing. I yeah. mean, I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, the official synopsis on Memory Alpha, following an anomaly in a warp bubble experiment... Dr. Crusher finds that crew members are beginning to disappear while she is the only one who Excuse seems me. to notice. Memory Alpha, can we like put a pinpoint on the fact that Wesley fucked up? Yeah, I was like, going to say, yeah. damn like, it, Wesley! All- Wesley <laughs> almost kills his mom. Yeah. The boy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, like, we're, now we're quoting yeah. <laughs> Greatest Generation. Um, Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> that show's so good, though. Um, funny. My favorite part of that show is that one music clip. It's like, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. At the start Although I gave night, up on that our, show. We I, named our team Drunk Shimoda because of that that's podcast. Awesome. That's and great. we got second place. So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I stopped listening to it. I got so frustrated. They kept like, they just make fun of the show so much. It's hilarious. Me too. It's funny. I, yeah. I totally got the same vibe though. That they were Really? Like nerd bashing? Yeah. Yeah. They're making fun of geeks. Yeah, but I mean they, they are, are geeks, geeks, so I don't understand. Yeah, I'm all about like celebrating your geekdom and like shouting it and being cool with it. For sure. So, so it's a, I do like the show and I enjoy the show, but it's also it's just not what I'm about. So I just kind of fell off. Anyway, uh, so in this episode, Beverly is we don't know this till close to the end, but Beverly's trapped inside of a warp bubble that's shrinking, so her entire universe starts to disappear, and you get this wonderful moment towards the end where she's on the bridge with Picard, and he's like. I mean, we're, we're the only two on this ship. There's yeah. never been anyone else. We've always gotten by before. Why would this be a problem now? Uh, well, it's one of the better. first times where you're just like, am I going crazy yeah. while you're watching the episode? And when I was right. re-watching it, too, there's scenes where she's at Picard's side, like in engineering and talking to Jordy and be like, yeah, so what's up with this? And and you, if you look at it knowing the ending, like it's a very one-sided conversation. No one actually directs, con- like they're talking to oh, Beverly. Cool. So, like, she thinks that she's engaging conversation, but everyone, like, no one's ex- in responding to anything she says. It's the sixth sense, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, that movie's really old. Spoilers for the sixth yeah. sense. I feel like... The little kid is trapped in a warp bubble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Haley Joel's comment. I did. I did not like this episode. <laughs> Haley Joel's comment. That's great. Uh, a friend of mine today was telling me that she used to work at a porn mail order porn place, and that Orson Scott card would would order things. And Whoa. one time his card was declined, and she had to ask him for another. And I was like, "Did you ask? Did you say this Orson Scott card won't work? Do you have another one?" Like, <laughs> Your Orson Scott card is declined. Yeah. yeah. Wait, your friend talked to Orson Scott card through email. Yeah. yeah. For people who don't know, Orson Scott Card wrote Ender's Game, yeah. and he's also super hardcore Mormon. Has said a lot yeah. of really offensive things on the internet. For sure. No, he's terrible. But, but he Ender's wrote great Game, books. But Ender's Game is like the best book of all time. So good. So... Uh, almost as that. good as Speaker for the Dead, which he also wrote. I. Don't... I... Oh, really? Ender's really? Game is way better than Speaker for the Dead. Man, um, the whole quadrilogy, the Ender quadrilogy, to me just gets better and better and better. Oh, I disagree. I think it gets worse and worse and worse. Interesting. We'll talk about this. This is for a different day. So when I was a kid, I hated this episode because the feeling that you're the only one who knows what's real uh, stressed me the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Like I had such a hard time with it. As an adult, I love it. As an adult, I'm so excited to see a Crusher episode because this is maybe the first one. Mm-hmm. The first one that's just Dr. Crusher to the point where you're literally just Dr. Crusher at the end because yeah, the whole yeah. universe is gone. And there's right. even that moment where she asks the computer if she's equipped to carry out the tasks that would... In, you know, for the Enterprise to explore new worlds. And they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what am I doing here then? <laughs> yeah. She's such a strong character and she's not used anywhere near enough. Mm-hmm. And when they use her, she fucking knocks it out of the park. She's rad. I yeah. love her. She's a badass bitch and I love her. Yeah. yeah. She's so cool. She's a And she's got bitch. that breathy yeah. voice. So. She's like hardcore rad sauce. And I- <laughs> when she was talking to the computer, like you were talking yeah. about with like, it, am I am I equipped to do this job? Like I kind of expected it to be like an old Star Trek thing where the computer just starts to blow up because <laughs> she's just like you yeah. know it's like, like you, insufficient data, insufficient yeah. data, and that's then how, it's like that's how like Kirk treats every yeah. computer. When Kirk used to just talk the computer like into he gets blowing Socratic itself up. as fuck. Yeah, Kirk's just like, do you really think that that's how you should feel? 
And the computer's like, I don't know. I don't know. Ah. That's like half of the original series. Yep. It's so great. Watching it for the first time, I'm like, is this seriously happening again? Is he seriously talking this computer into self-destruction again? Of course. And then He's he good. was. Yeah. And then after a while, it's like, well, maybe this is just what being a Starfleet captain is. It's like, look, Roddenberry, we need another five minutes on this episode. I don't know, confuse the computer again. Yeah. Yeah. Talk the computer into killing itself. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, Let's I feel do like it. If Roddenberry had more influence on the original series, it wouldn't have been like that. But you think so? Did absolutely. he not have that much influence on the original? No. The network was all stepping on his balls? Yeah. <laughs> yes. In short, for sure. Story of everyone's life. <laughs> Next up. Are we done with that episode? Yeah. I think so, yeah. The Traveler came back and it was fucking awesome. It was oh, great. Yeah, I do yeah. love great. that love guy. Love the Traveler. Yeah. Wesley kind of just like calls to the Traveler with his mind. Is that how he showed up? I, I made yeah, that up, didn't did. I? did. No, he and did. the Traveler was like, I'm you have sure. something special, Wes. <laughs> yeah. The Traveler like felt that he needed to be there. Yeah. He didn't actually say like, Wesley, you called to me with your mind. Yeah. That's how sure I interpreted that was part it. Of it. <laughs> Because they're like bros, you know? Yeah. yeah. They're like, they're like mind, weird time like bros. Mind, mind bros. Mind bros. <laughs> Bruh, you're my mind bra. <laughs> uh, next up, another incredible episode that I fucking love. Legacy, where we meet Tashi, our sister, who is my biggest crush from all of TNG. Like, this, this girl, so in love with this girl. She's gorgeous. She's hot. I want to get married to this girl. She's got a really cool Sarah Connor thing going on that I'm super into. She's, She's so hardcore hair. Sarah Connor. Yeah. It's like perfect every hair. time that they went yeah. to shoot an epi- a scene, they're like, let's cut your hair again real quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the survivors from a doomed freighter crash land on Turkana 4, Tasha Yar's homeworld, and are taken hostage by a dissident faction. When the Enterprise moves to intervene, they are joined by Tasha's sister, Ashara, who has ulterior motives. Yeah, I call her Bullshit Yar. Bullshit Yar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is such a complex story because Ashara, that name doesn't even sound familiar to me. Am I saying that right? They call her Tasha's sister a lot. Tasha's sister, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. She... Uh, has feelings for the crew. She gets no, to see. No, she has feelings for data. She data. has feelings for data. She loves data. Data is Yarbait. Yeah, I know. <laughs> totally. All yeah. about it. She wrote me home after that night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Yars had so much emotional scarring from when they were kids that they can only be with someone who has no emotion. Yeah. 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 Huh. Oh yeah. wow. But uh, this is one of the greatest data moments ever. This is, I mean, huge argument to the fact that data does oh, have absolutely. emotion when he's, when he tries to explain how he misses people and he gets used to people's uh, input in his circuit pathways. And when it's gone, he feels its absence. Yeah. That's what friendship is to him. That's kind of what I was going to bring up too. I missed the brothers episode, but um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, when he like wants to say goodbye to Dr. Soong and he's like, alone please you know it's like why does that matter to you like Riker can be there if you have no emotions you have nothing to be embarrassed Mm, over yeah and this episode really drives it home that he has something happening there's some sort of magic in his circuitry that is not programmed for emotion that is developing uh, a situational awareness that is in some way emotional well I wonder if they're trying to illustrate how uh, how emotional growth works though Mm. you know the the more we experience for the most part, the the more intense the emotions can become or the more used to them you become. Like emotional growth is going to be the same for everybody in some way or another. You know, like you have yeah. to like practice. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like he's come. He's starting from a blank slate, though. Yeah, a literal blank slate. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there in the world that are more of a blank slate than the people that are in this room because we're all very emotional pieces. <laughs> yeah. of shit. Uh, but there are people who don't feel things as intensely. Um, and I wonder if they relate to data if, yeah. if they watch this show, because I relate to data on the level that he's just a weirdo and has a hard time socially. And that was me up until I was like 28. <laughs> um, just seeing him go through that struggle and learn to be accepted, learn to ha- make friends, learn to be a part of this group, this team of people is like the core of why I love this show. Um, I mean, one of the many myriad reasons why I love this show. But this episode really brings it to the forefront. And seeing Ashara have the opportunity to have that and turn it down because she's so programmed into her society is really heartbreaking. I understand it. And it's it's an interesting look into the idealism of Starfleet because it's like the real world running up against the idealism and the real yeah. world wins out in right. the end. Like they for, can't for the change past her. two episodes now. 
Because that's what the... With the, the war bubble? With the boy. Uh, not, I guess not the past one, but the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, suddenly human. Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, where you can't... You can't. you can't just present this way of life that they they all think it's better. And I yeah. think it's better because I grew up thinking it was better. And you can't unwire that from me because that's right. real deep inside of me. But you can't just present it to someone and say, this is better. You should live this way and expect them to do it. Yeah. Well, it's the same reason they have prime directive, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Which is honestly like a really great lesson in like live your life the way you want and let everyone else live it the way they want to. And I think that they they succeeded in that in Suddenly Human, but they failed in it in this episode because they failed to see that this woman was not uh, coming around to their point of view. She was enticed by it. She was romanticized by it, but it wasn't ever a real thing to her. She was mm-hmm. never going to do it. She's yeah. a double agent. It's heartbreaking. <sighs> but it's great TV, guys. Oh, <laughs> it's great TV. And she's does, so hot. Does Ugh. Data keep her chip? She is super hot. Oh, my God. Yarbate. Yarbate. Does Data keep that implant that they take out of her, too? Yes, he does. It goes into his little box of treasures. His little piece of plastic. Yeah. yeah. His little box of dead yars. Yeah. <laughs> well, she His doesn't trophies. die. Yeah, but dead to him though. Damn. <laughs> Burn. He's done with that bitch. How do you, how do you all feel about this one? You love it? I'm glad I like he shot her. Glad he shot her. He stunned her. No, he shot her. Her phaser was set to kill. No, he. No, he didn't kill her. No. No, no. he didn't kill her. But this is not the episode him. where someone falls in love with someone and then has to kill her at the end. That's a different one. I actually don't remember the end of this episode. Uh, she's going to like set off some kind of like self-destruct thing in the mines and oh, data comes right. by and is like, what are you up to? And she's like, you should have known all along that I've just been employing this plot. Hey, yeah. what are you up to? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I can't allow you to do that. And she's all, well, you have to. And she's about to kill him. And I think Riker shoots her. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Data sh- yeah. No, I thought Data shot her. Data, I think data shot her. Data yeah, shot her because shot he was like, I have like, a duty to do. Yeah. yeah. But he stuns her. He doesn't kill her. I don't remember the end. So I don't know why. Yeah. It's funny how that happens sometimes. Yeah. Like suddenly human, I can't remember the end. Yeah. Well, the end is such a short part about the episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have. Surprise Riker didn't try to bang her. I'm sure he tried, but yeah. it got cut out. You know, yeah. bros before hoes, though, you know? Like, he probably knew. He's like, oh, Dana's got to know. If, I don't know if Riker adheres to that bros before hoes thing. I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. I think oh, my he's God. Like, oh, my God. Just like, just like, oh, that's a hot girl. I'm going to bang her. This is t- it's <laughs> like, time. Doesn't matter. Tiffin, it's time. I have been, I forgot. I can't believe I forgot. But I've been dying to get you on the podcast <laughs> since I met you because, well, you know why. Tell us the fucking story. What story? <laughs> oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. So, I met Jonathan Frakes in a bar. <laughs> I was actually asleep at home, and my girlfriend called me, and she was like, oh my god, like, RN74, Jonathan Frakes is here, and that's all she said, and she, like, hung up. What is RN74? Right it's now. a... It's a. I don't know. <laughs> so RN seventy four is a restaurant in downtown okay. Seattle. Oh, I thought I it was like code was, for yeah, Jonathan Frakes is here. No, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know either. I was like, I was like RN seventy four, Jonathan Frakes. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and so, I, so I call her back and she's not picking up, obviously, because she's like at the bar with Jonathan Frakes. And so I'm like googling RN seventy four, and I'm like, oh, it's a restaurant. And so I like get up, I get dressed as cute as I can, <laughs> and I go to RN seventy four. And I walk in, and she's just sitting, like, at a table with him and a couple other people from Benaroya Hall. He was at Benaroya Hall um, for some sci-fi symphony thing. I walked in, sat down with him, and my friend Sarah was like, this is the biggest Next Generation fan you'll ever meet. And sat there with him for, like, two hours having drinks, and he wanted to talk about Star Trek the entire time. (laughs) Everyone kept trying to change the subject, and he was just, like, trying to bring it back to Star Trek. Can you give us an example of that? I don't remember. It was so long ago. He's like, do you remember this episode where I tried to bang this girl? <laughs> Which one? Wink, wink. <laughs> no, it was mostly just like. <laughs> I'd go for it. I mean, though. like. I would. Oh, totally. I mean, he was really, he was, he's pretty old now. I mean, he's still hot, but he's pretty old. Yeah. But he was just like, no, like, like everyone would be talking about like, you know, music or the symphony that the guy that we were there with had worked for Michael Jackson. So we kept talking about Michael Jackson. And then Jonathan Frakes would be like, so Tiffin, like, why do you, why do you like Star Trek The Next Generation so much, you know? And I'm like, this is like my dream. (laughs) And at the end, at the end, like when we all left, he remembered my name, which I was like, thank God. And then he told me and my friend Sarah that we were 
that we were a pleasant surprise because we were much less pear shaped than his normal. Oh, that's shit. I don't that's like gross. that. I that's know. really gross. I don't like that. I, wish I, didn't, I didn't like that. it either. But I thought it was kind of, I don't know. It Especially was indicative since... of Jonathan Frakes. He's hitting on you, basically. Like his character. It was indicative of his character. He, he dropped Especially into Riker mode. Especially shape is used to say when things go shitty. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, well, things were great until they went pear-shaped, yeah. and they just got right. turned upside down. Yeah. Right. It was like... Yeah, I didn't I didn't like that part either. Wait, so but, do you but think... But you had a had night the... out with, with oh, Riker. That you're That's not... insane. That's not fatty. Uh, yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. I don't like yeah. that. I wish I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, no, it's okay. Cool story. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just ruined it by telling the end. I mean, I don't know. I just... I think about that from time to time. And just think about him at a bar with strangers, just like, let's talk more about Star Trek. Yeah, he does want to talk a lot about Star Trek. It's so the antithesis of what you'd think a Star Trek star would do. And director. Right. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of Galaxy Quest. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, I've I've met a couple it of... It reminds me of Tim Allen. Sorry. I, I've met a couple Star Trek stars, and um, it's like, a, it's a touchy thing to talk about Star Trek with them. Like, you have to approach it right. kind of delicately and open the door, and if they walk through it, that's fine. But you don't, like, generally just say, hey, let's talk about Star Trek. I want to hear about your experience on Star Trek. I want you to, like, tell me about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I met LeVar Burton once at a convention, and he literally just, like, brushed me off and walked away. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's the only time that's happened. Like, I'm, He's a big star. So, yeah. I, my friend Sarah, you've met Sarah. Yeah. She met him. Um, He went to Starbucks for some thing one time and she got to like escort him in and he wanted to talk to her about star trek really is she pear-shaped oh <laughs> i don't know i'm just kidding. i don't know it's you don't it's actually interesting. have to that was rhetorical because the thing that we forget all the time is like these people are not their characters they are yeah. people who have been paid a lot of attention to yeah right and when you're paid a lot of attention to you tend to become really full of yourself <laughs> Um, right. I know that's what happened to me. Uh, yeah. yeah, no. He seemed, I mean, he definitely seemed very full of himself. Yeah. Like, for sure. Okay, friends, that felt like a really good place to put a pin in this discussion. I'll bring you uh, at least another third, if not the rest, next week. Haven't quite figured that out yet, but there'll be more of this. More of this. I have one more special treat for you today. I did something extremely unlike me. Uh, And I recorded an entire song in three days. Generally, it takes me like three months to a year to finish a song. Because a lot of my songs are just really fucking intricate and really hard. And it takes me a long time to figure it out. But I had this idea for the song I told you about before. I think I told you about before called Moisture Farm. Based off of Luke Skywalker's time on Tatooine before his adventures begin. And I fucking recorded it. So this is almost done. Very, very, very close to being done. I think I'm going to tweak a couple small things that I'm uh, almost happy with, but not quite. But it's so close to being done that I couldn't help but share it with all of you all on my podcast because you're my special peeps. And speaking of special peeps, if you are one of my Patreon supporters, I'm actually going to email this track to you today. So that'll be an even specialer special treat. Yes, that is not a word. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, no matter what uh, level of support you provide, starting at $1 per month, uh, if you become one this week, I will send you this track as a special treat. And you can do that at patreon.com slash sci-fi project. And speaking of support, another great way you can support the show is by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. The The new song, Moisture Farm, almost done. I'll tell you more about this song when I when I finish it next time I play it for you, which will hopefully be very, very soon, because this is almost there. Booyah. <laughs>
Radio.